a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. <clears throat> now, none of the guys that you meet on this podcast would consider themselves extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm very excited for you to meet them. Now, today, uh, this, is a, this is a first for Mana. We are outside, so we are in, a, we are in our guest's beautiful uh, backyard patio. We're looking at a wonderfully manicured lawn. We've got, uh, we've got a little golf uh, course hole in the back. I mean, it's like being at a resort. So uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is not to, not to cause envy in any of the listeners, but just to apologize in advance. We've got lawnmowers in the background. We've got wind. So I uh, have no idea how this is going to shake down um, from an audio fidelity standpoint, but it is worth it because this is all about connecting uh, and just having genuine moments with men that inspire me. So, uh, so on to the introduction. Now, if your life were a sitcom, today's guest would be cast as the funny neighbor who you can count on for the, the comic relief, the catchphrase that ends up on the t-shirts for your show, uh, and the, just the overall zaniness that fans of your show would, would love, even more than you. Even if you were the main character, this guest is your wacky neighbor who comes in and basically steals the show. He's the reason that you tune in. Uh, he's the life of the party, the one with both the one-liners and the commitment to doing whatever it takes to, to turn your laugh track up to 11. But behind the scenes, our guest would be known for so much more. His ability to steal the spotlight is outmatched and outshone, if you will, only by his ability to cast that spotlight on you. Whether you're his friend, his brother, his son, his husband, uh, a player on his team, or just a random person on the street whose day would get made better with even a glancing light of this man's attention even when you don't think you might need it. Business-wise, he's an accomplished sales professional because he's a genuine listener and a problem solver. Family-wise, he's a husband who falls in love with his amazing wife every single day. And a dad who teaches us all how to be better dads. And as a friend, well, <clears throat> he's mine, so back off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you are more than welcome to have him be your friend as well. And I can't wait for you to meet him today. Please welcome today's manna man, Mr. Joe Swanholm. Joey, welcome to the show. How are you, Jeff? What an introduction. <laughs> well, well, it's been a long time coming. You've been a holdout all of season one uh, for listeners uh, who tuned in to season one. Uh, Joe was uh, one of the first. You were one of the first guys that were on the call sheet, and uh, you were the hardest one to pin down. So I, I'm grateful to 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 have worked through your agent to get you <laughs> to get you on the show finally. Um, and as and as just to jump right into it here, as I think of our uh, small but dedicated following here on Mana, um, 
chock full of relatives and, <laughs> and friends of ours. Um, I'm imagining the smiles on their faces right now as they're as they're now uh, as they now know who's our guest, um, and as they're hearing your voice because they've heard that voice, they've heard your very voice on their voicemails when you've called them on their birthdays. Um, they've heard them, you know, from across a crowded room. Uh, they've heard them on a hockey rink, you know, as you've been, you know, barking out orders as a coach. You know, everybody loves you so much, Joe, and they love everything about you. And so, you know, on behalf of all of our listeners, I'm glad you're here because now they can hear you uh, again in this context. And, um, and I, and I'm not going to, and so we're going to, we're going to get into this and, and, and even for, for a guy who has so much life and so much joy, uh, I don't want to bring it down uh, a notch here, but but as as you know, as an avid listener to, to Mana, and as everybody who's listening knows, you know we like to start each each interview with with a uh, with a specific thing that that inspires uh, me about you. Okay, um, so for all of the for all of the fun and all of the life of the party stuff, the thing that that I love most about you is actually something that, as I mentioned in the, in the intro, kind of it's kind of behind the scenes, and it's this very thoughtful, very reflective, very you know serious commitment that you have to your faith. And one of the ways that that comes out that I'm sure a lot of people on this podcast don't know is that you have been part of a of a men's group, a men's Bible study, for years that nobody knows about. And so now we're going to expose you right now on this show. I'd love, I'd love you to start and just explain, you know, and, and then we'll, we'll get into family and all this kind of stuff later, but how did, how did that happen? And, 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 and how, cause it's been measured in years, right? I mean, how many years? Uh, seven now. Okay. So talk about, talk about, so we're going to kind of do a little bit of Benjamin Button here. We're going to start at the end and kind of, and then go backwards. So let's start, you know, then seven years, which isn't that long ago. What, what provoked that? to you to get involved in a small group and, and, and how have you kept doing it for seven years? I mean, seven years, that's a, that's, that's a commitment. So it's interesting because, uh, I have a dear friend, um, maybe some of you listeners have heard of him. His name is Tim Johnson and it took him six years to convince me and get me to be part of that group. Um, I want to give a lot of credit to my wife, Tara, who started her commitment to it probably about three years prior to me. And Tim worked me, and he worked me, and he worked <laughs> me, and I finally said, I'll give it a try. And I remember that first meeting, I thought, oh my goodness, these guys are singing songs, and it was so uncomfortable for me. There was probably 150 guys in a room singing music, <laughs> and I'm not a singer. But I have to tell you, it's been one of the most rewarding six years of my life. And it wasn't even about the Bible study itself. It was about having the ability to be in a group of men, sometimes 12, sometimes 20, and being able to talk about anything. Yeah. It's all about trust. I didn't even know these guys, and I could tell them anything. And I think that's really the key to it is... You have to find people in your life that you can trust, mm-hmm. that you can speak to from your heart and know that you can walk away and they haven't judged you. They're not going to say anything and they care about you. <clears throat> and that's what really 
really helped me. How long, how long did it take to get to that point, though? I mean, so here you're walking into a room. you got all these guys. I mean, you knew Tim. Tim. Tim but yeah. but in, in, did you know any of the other guys no, at all? So nobody else. Just blind. And so how long? I mean, was it kind of an instantaneous after you got no. over the song? <laughs> yeah. But, but how long How long did it take? I mean, the fact that you even went back, yep. I admire. Because a lot of times when I'm faced with those situations, I'm like, all right, one and done. Like, that didn't work. I'm moving mm-hmm. on. But you, you kept going back. So what, how long... Did it take until you felt like, okay, this is this is going to be worth it? Three years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it was Tim. Tim kept saying, you, you need to go back. And by the third year, uh, I was in a group of guys that they let stay together. And we were together for four years. And mm-hmm. it was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You know, you just wanted to go back because you got to know them. And mm-hmm. there was old, middle-aged, and there was young. Yeah. And... Guys would cry and guys would smile. It was incredible. But it took me about three years to really feel comfortable. Um, I could promise you, if it weren't for him, meaning Tim, I, um, I would not have stuck it out. I yeah. would have been what you just said. I would have been a year into it going, eh, I don't need to go back to this. Yeah, so. yeah. How much of the time, you know, one of the things that, that you know, you embody, uh, even though a lot of people don't see this side of you, but and a lot of the guys that, that have been on the show, embody is is this way of living faithfully without necessarily you know quoting scripture uh every other sentence you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's 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 a it's an essence it's a, it's a way that you that y- you act as a husband and a dad so so back to the these this this men's group and i don't know do you call it a bible study like, it's actually bsf okay. bible study fellowship okay so bible study fellowship but how much of the time and, it, and it, maybe it's all the time, but how much of the time when you're in fellowship with these other guys, is it is it overtly like scripture based, talking about Jesus and that, versus talking about you know just life? You know what I mean? And and and, and there's and Christ is in everything. But I'm just curious as to know because I've never been part of a small group, and how much of the time is conspicuously churchy versus just you know, kind of fellowship and and God's working within that, but but it, but it's not like okay, open up your Bibles and we're gonna look, read the Book of Matthew. Like, what what's that like? So, as I mentioned, for the first three years, it was always different groups, and you were trying to get to know the the new guys in the group. By the fourth year, we were in a group, and our leader name leader's name was Jim, and it was about fifteen of us, and it went for four years. It started out as very Bible. And what started to happen was it's kind of like sales. you got to be willing to ask the tough questions. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's what they got from me. I let them know I know nothing about the Bible. Twelve <laughs> years of Catholic school, <laughs> and I know nothing about the Bible. And there were guys in there that knew a lot. However, what I was able to do from my perspective is give them a perspective of a person that really didn't understand the Bible, but asked the, I asked the questions that nobody wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened is through that, the Bible, this is going to sound horrible on your podcast, but the <laughs> Bible became secondary. Because it became about us guys being able to talk about 
what we were going through and became very personal mm-hmm. and you could relate it to that study in particular <clears throat> um it felt good it, it was one of those things where i was really able to i in my eyes open up an ability to talk about things that guys normally wouldn't talk about because i asked the hard questions and yeah. that's not a pat on the back that's just mm-hmm. being a real person yeah right yeah but and i don't think you know I mean, I love what you're saying, and, and I actually think, and believe me, I am the farthest from any kind of theologian or expert on this, but I, I actually think, you know, and you were apologizing for, the, you know, the Bible is kind of secondary. I, I, I feel like, you know, and in our faith tradition where it's, it's both the word and, and sacrament and, and tradition is that, you know, it's kind of like that adage, you know, you're the only Bible that a lot of people are going to read, you know, and, and the way we treat each other, the way we relate, the way, the way, you know, Jesus did, you know, Christianity especially is not an isolation. It's not a religion of isolation. It's not a religion of go up to the mountains, hang out for like three years by yourself and then get enlightened. It's one of, we break bread, you know, we, 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 we have community, you know, we go out in groups, you know? And so I feel like, you know, that is, you know, the Bible was there even if you weren't looking at the Bible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so I just think that's kind of neat. Did, did, when you got into that, you know, as I think of your awesome family, and, like, we're, we're, we're <laughs> what was it like as now, you know, here's Dad, and now Dad's trekking off to small group or whatever. Were they, were they surprised? Were, was it, you know, just, or, or was it a natural kind of a thing? And, and uh, you know, you mentioned Tara was already mm-hmm. kind of doing some stuff, so was it just, was it, you know, it, well, at the beginning, I think for the for the kids, it was like, "Wow, Dad's going to Bible study." I mean, he never talked about the Bible. Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, as I got into it more, the two older ones were already in college, and it uh, it was Monday nights. I'd be driving down to Bible study on Monday, and I'd call Claire. I'd be driving home from Bible study on Monday, and I'd call Willie. <laughs> it was a reason to call them and let them know what I was, what I was doing and find out what they were doing and whether it had an effect on them or not. um, I think the most important part about it is, and, and this is the thing that I learned the most with this group. It didn't really matter what religion they were. We were all just Christians Mm -hmm. and we were all thinking the same way. And we were about how can we be better people? And not even better men, just better people. And part of it for me was being able to say, hey, to my kids, this is what I'm going to do. And maybe it helped them to think about it. Or to be honest with you, a lot of times they helped me to think about it. Yeah, that's so cool. Such a great Hopefully that makes some sense. The other other thing I wanted to, you know, kind of really talk about and and for those listening that know Joe, you'll, you'll be able to finish the end of my sentence. But you have dedicated your so much of your life uh, first and foremost to to you know to God and, and to Tara and to your own kids um, but you've also been so generous with your time and your talent and just your essence with other kids other young people you know coaching for the many years that you coached hockey um, and and also just being you know being one of those dads that that expresses just as much interest in in our kids and in all of our friends' kids as seemingly your own. <laughs> and and 
I wanted to just ask about because inherently that that is Christ, okay? And even though you know that's not you know you're not again quoting scripture to all these kids, but but that that generosity, you know that 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 real selflessness is is evident. And I'm just wondering, like, where did that come from? You know, it, because it seems to come so naturally, you know. And I'm just wondering, was has that always been like? Was your dad like that? I mean, did you grow up with with just this very open generous approach to young people because I think you know as, as as very influential as they should be parents are to their kids you know I think the influence of another caring adult on a young person's life is profound and it seems to come so naturally to you and I'm just wondering you know where does that come from and and, and how do you connect that to your faith Wow. I know that's kind of a big question. Yeah. I, when it came out of my mouth, I'm like, "Gosh, dang, that sounds yeah. like." The... Well, let me start it off with this. I really like people. Mm-hmm. Um, the essence of who people are, and I'm not trying to be deep here. This is Joe. I'm just a <laughs> regular guy. Um, you know, it's an interesting, interesting question. Um, there were a lot of coaches in my life as I was growing up that had a profound effect on me. And, um, and there were a lot that I don't even remember, but the ones that had an effect on me, they weren't spouting about Christianity. They weren't spouting about God, but you know what they did? They showed me how to be a good person. Mm. And I could name four of them right off the bat. It's pretty incredible. And one of the things I always found fascinating was, um, I believe it was Kyle, our youngest, who said, I want you to coach because the other guys like you. Mm. And I always sat back and went, okay, he probably doesn't want me coaching him, but his buddies like me, so I kind of feel forced to tell dad to coach. But when you sit back and think about it, just by having fun and not being their parent, they have their own parents, but having somebody that they can have trust in, they could tell me things that they know would never go outside that locker room. Yeah. And it could be about girls. It could be about religion or it could be about whatever. Mm-hmm. And what really started to happen is in the 90s when I was a non-parent coach um, and I had these kids that I was coaching and I was a, what upper 20s or something like that. I'm seeing those guys now at the arena with their kids and they are remembering things that we talked about together. And I sat back and I said, that's what it's all about. As long as those guys are able to do that for those kids later on, that's what it's all about. It's feeding people to be better people. Yeah. Now I'm starting to feel like I'm talking in circles, but the truth is if we help the next generation, the next generation is going to help the next generation and onward and onward. And it's just about being a good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. How is that? Is that something that you, you know, we all grew up in, in various families and, and some were super religious and some were more, you know, kind of passively or whatever. But what was it like growing up in the Swan home household? Like, was, did you feel like it was a, was it a very sort of, devout, you know, kind of, I mean, you mentioned your 12 years of Catholic school that clearly did not uh, stick, but uh, what was it, what was it like, you know, and, 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 you know, was there ever a, um, is, is the way you live now just a continuation of 
how you were raised or when you look at how you are raising your family and how active you all are in your in your faith you're very animated in 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 in, in the spirit but in a in a very real way not a not an overly you know preachy way is that what it was like growing up you know with uh in the swan home uh, household wow this is getting really deep <laughs> all right so here's where it's at two younger brothers mom and a dad the most profound effect I had is at 21 years old, my dad passed away. Um, that had an incredible impact on me. And I won't go into the details, but I will tell you this. When dad passed away, I literally remember saying, okay, uh, this doesn't make a lot of sense, God. Mm-hmm. And I was only, what, a junior and in, going into my junior year in college. I never went to church. I was so mad. I had two younger brothers. The youngest was a sophomore in high school, junior high school. So it was a pretty tough time. And then as I got older, I started to figure out that it wasn't a punishment. It was something I could learn from. But it was a difficult thing because I always had my dad on my shoulder who only knew me as a 21-year-old and everything (laughs) prior. And he didn't see beautiful wife I married and he didn't see the kids and he didn't see me graduate from college so as I got older and older and older I said to myself you need to be the best person you can be because you have a limited time and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so I think when you look back and and this is where the men's group has helped me and and discussing faith is God does everything for a reason. And the reason he did that was to help me be a better husband, to help me be a better father, a better coach, and a better friend. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, every day I think about my dad and I think about what I've missed. Mm -hmm. And I don't want the people in my life to miss that. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's great, man. That's... uh... Well, that makes uh, that makes for a wonderful uh, message and, and lesson, and but it also makes for a crappy transition to the next part of our episode here, which is the fun segment. Um, so every uh, every episode, we like to ask the same three questions to all of our guests, kind of lighten the mood a little bit. And uh, and so, as a reminder, all of the guests on Mana have seen these questions before. Um, and so if they balk, if they feign, you know, like, oh, that's a really good question. I haven't thought about that. They are lying. So they've, they've seen all of these questions. So there's three questions, and uh, so we're going to jump right into it. So fun segment question number one. If Jesus himself knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out, what would you do with him? I would do exactly what we're doing right now. I would bring him in. I would open my beer fridge, and I would hand him... <laughs> Which, by the way, is fantastic. Your selection is impressive. Thank you. <clears throat> but he would receive a Molson Canadian, my favorite. <laughs> and we would sit down on this patio, and we would just talk. Yeah. And listen and ask questions. And then, around 8 o'clock, I would call my closest buddies, <laughs> and we would do a bonfire, and we would just hang out. And we'd bring their wives. And if their kids want to come, they can come. And we would make it a party. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. Appropriately. Yes. <laughs> a lot of wine. No, it's be like, get mm-hmm. over here. You'll never believe yeah. who's here. You'd never believe me either. Uh, we'd come. All right. Fun segment question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, who would it be? So all three of them are dead. Okay. The first Sunday, I'd go with my dad. And we've already talked about him. Yeah. Um, because I would want my dad to go with me to see who I am now. Um, I have, My dad's been gone longer than he was with me. So I would love to go to church with him on a Sunday and, and then go to brunch mm-hmm. and have Bloody Marys <laughs> and just talk. Yeah. Then the following Sunday, and this is going to come out of left field, I would want to go with two guys. Okay. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Wow. And I've thought about this. When you think about who they are and what they did, and to live in the world we're living in today, Yet their values and their thought-provoking ideas still work today. It blows me away. And to be able to do what they did and write a constitution and build a country, I'm just, there's no other way to say it's blown away. Love to talk with them. The the staying power is is, um, staggering. Yeah, Yeah. it blows me away. So there's my. Three. Oh, those are your three. Oh, those so you three? lumped in numbers two and three. So my dad by three. myself, yeah, and, and then, then two and, and three then two together. together. Yeah, it. we okay. walk in together right. in Sorry. our All knickers. Right. <laughs> your, your powdered wigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which you probably have upstairs yes. in the closet. All I right. I have a couple. Last question. Fun segment. Question number three. Uh, and you can you can hearken back to your days as a coach. You can you can think of your your days now as a dad. Um, Harvey, I want to think of it. Fun uh, uh, question number three: If you had one piece of advice to give to a young man about being comfortable in his in living his faith, what would that one piece of advice be? So, I was mowing the lawn the other day, listening to Manna. <laughs> right? I, no, I actually was. <laughs> no, I swear to you, I was. And I remember that third question, and I thought about it, and I came up with this. Never, ever, ever doubt God. You don't need to uh, evangelize, in my eyes. That's who I am. You don't need to tell the world. However, I truly believe if you don't put it in God's hands, you won't succeed. Mm-hmm. You cannot do it on your own. Make him a part of your life. And I have learned that over and over and over from the number one person in my life, Tara, and my BSF. Every decision I make in my life, big or small, if it doesn't have God involved, it's probably not the right decision. And I say that from my heart, and I would say that to any young soul. And again, it's not about preaching. It's not about telling everyone. It's about you inside of who you are. I wholeheartedly believe that. That's great. (laughs) Joe Swanholm, thank you so much for being here. This is fun. 
We should do this again. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.